0: Welcome to the Compassionate Capitalist Radio Show with host Karen Rands. A compassionate capitalist is someone who invests their money into entrepreneur endeavors to bring innovation to the market and create wealth for all those involved. Karen shares insights and best practices for entrepreneurs to succeed and investors to share in that success without all the risks. And now. So welcome back to the Compassionate Capitalist Show. And today uh, we are going to be talking about something that is very near and dear to my heart in on a couple of different levels. Uh, so let me uh, set the stage here because I have a very special guest that has uh, some really wonderful insights into two things that are um, great for me for what I try to do with the compassionate capitalist concept of compassionate capitalism. So first off. The organization that my guest, Harjeet Singh, is with is uh, Kiwi Tech, and I first became aware of Kiwi Tech in about 2017, and then in 2018, I started attending their angel and investor their pitch displays. It's like a... I didn't really know exactly what to call them, and we'll get the right name here in just a second, but uh, where I would go to these events and these really wonderful companies that software, mostly software companies, all, I guess all had some form of a software that Kiwi Tech was specifically helping them bring their their solution, their idea, their vision to market, and then was turning around and helping them raise the capital as well. And, I, and it was, to me, a really perfect example of compassionate capitalism. And particularly when I heard the story, which I'm not going to steal the story because I, I want Harjit to, to share that. And then when I first met Harjit, because he came to me to be a guest on uh, one of the Kiwi texts, because now they do in the virtual world, they do a... Um, uh, these these podcasts or not podcasts? They do these webinars where they have uh, panels and and people talking about their expertise and in angel investing and investing in women owned businesses and entrepreneurs and family offices and all kinds of of topics. And I was on. Uh, talking about my podcast and angel investors and the benefit it is to angel investors and we got to just talking and we had a couple of conversations and i said would you be on my show to talk about your vision and your passion for crowdfunding and so that's the other piece of this because for you that have listened over different times you know that my, uh, I really do believe that the JOBS Act in the United States equity crowdfunding had been avail- available in different stages and other places, but when it finally started to happen as a response to the um, economic crisis of 2010, so it was really like 2012, they started rolling it out and didn't really get going with all of the aspects and reg CF until about 2017, and then it was only a million dollars, uh, and just for those that aren't familiar so within equity crowdfunding, we have intrastate, which is in a state, a company in a state to investors in the state. We have uh, Reg D 506C, which is a national program, but only for accredited investors. And uh, then you have uh, Reg A plus which is a national program, large amounts of money. It's for companies that are more mature and have potential to, because it's kind of like a backdoor into going public, and then and, and it's accredited and unaccredited can participate, and then you have Reg CF Reg crowdfunding, which started out really as a response to re- reward based crowdfunding, and it was very intended for for smaller concept kind of companies and they maxed out at a million dollars on a national basis and then it went to $5 million, but it's, a, it's accredited and unaccredited. And so three of those have the ability for the everyday people that have discretionary income to participate in one of the greatest ways to create wealth, which is to have a successful entrepreneur. And You get to share in that success when you invest in that crowdfunding. So we're going to unpack all of that and the great, big, bright future of what Kiwi Tech has to be able to um, really pull that whole ecosystem together. And it's really very exciting. But so first, let me give you a little, let me give you some more intro info so you Not just my words, just let's just talk about what it's all about here, right? So Kiwi Tech has a portfolio of over 300 tech startups across the U.S. That's a big number, folks. And they have a goal to have 1,000 portfolio firms in the next five years. As a technology services company, Techs helps entrepreneurs build their dream tech startups, okay? I didn't want him to have to be an infomercial, so I had to do the infomercial on that. And Harjeet Singh, in particular, has 10 years of investment banking, private equity, venture capital, and trade finance experience. Harjeet is a strategic advisor to Tiger Bridge, which is assisting with building the firm's presence in in the India market. He is also a co-founder of Scourge urge, Capital Partners? How do you Accurge say that? Scourge
1: Capital Partners. Scourge Accurge, acc- 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 Capital Partners.
0: It, but it has an X on the front, so that was my challenge there. LSE, he is a managing director responsible for the company's business in North America and Asia with a particular focus on cross-border India Indian opportunities. And specific to our conversation today, Harji manages corporate strategy for KiwiTech, and his responsibility is to raise capital as well as look for strategic acquisitions for KiwiTech. And it's just really um, exciting all the things that he's putting into place and the roadmap that he is building. So officially, welcome to the show, Harji. Thank
1: you, Karen. Thank you for a great show, and it was a pleasure having you at our Kiwi Tech panel. Um, just wanted to correct you know, Kiwi Tech is the largest tech for equity platform on the planet. You think about Y Combinator, you think about five hundred startups, a lot of other accelerators which are basically investment-based platforms where they physically put in capital in your uh, company and then they bring, they, they provide mentorship and bring other investors to your platform. Kiwi Tech is a little different. We do not invest physical capital in any company. What we do is, you probably understand this, Karen, like one of the biggest challenges in the startup ecosystem is building a product. Right product market fit right and one of the most expensive tool when you're building a company is development so a lot of these non-techies who are founders and we have seen so many successful of them when they try to build a company they're looking for a co-founder usually they wind up giving over 30 40 50 percent of the company saying hey you bring the tech i bring a finance background or a strategy background i know how this product sells or what have you? Sometimes it's less than this, and you're paying a hefty salary uh, to your co-founder or your senior developers in the team or your CTO. So Kiwi Tech solves this, right? So if you're looking, let's say, about a half a million dollars worth of development, we'll physically at a five million dollars, you know, just giving you an example, at a five million dollar valuation, we'll take two hundred fifty thousand dollars of equity in your company, and then the remaining two hundred fifty thousand dollars as we are providing these services to you, we'll take this cash as we are delivering these services on a monthly basis. Yep. So we have a 500 people in our tech team in New Delhi. We're a US company. So what? just think of what Accenture is for enterprise, TV tech is for startups. So we, mm-hmm. on top of that, think from a C-suite point of view, under CTO, we do technology development. Under CFO, we do bookkeeping and controller services. And now we are growing into a couple of other business opportunities. Like I told you, crowdfunding is my, you know, I used to run a broker dealer on Wall Street in my previous life. And, and, you know, crowdfunding is marketplace. We look for uh, looking looking at an active acquisition uh, in that marketplace. On top of that, we're looking for a digital marketing agency. So it's probably one of the best ecosystem other than in the next, you know, it started in 2013, in 2021 yeah. is everything is coming together yeah. with a 400, you know, just to want to correct you, we have 400, 400. plus portfolio companies, right? Wow. Now.
0: Yes. Well, so, I mean, that's the thing. And that's why I felt when I first met Kiwi tech and I forget exactly um, one of the founders had invited me to the meeting here in Atlanta. And I, uh, and I got to understand that. And then why, that's why I call him like truly, Uh, an example of compassionate capitalism because they had had phenomenal success in the IT space of developing applications for corporate companies and doing this. And then they it was like they said, you know, we could continue on and we could get richer doing this and just selling our expertise and doing this. But what, what could we do to amplify, bring an innovation to the market if we partnered up with startups that had really, really clever and and creative ideas uh, to solve a problem in the marketplace, and I tell, and and it's not sometimes it's not just startups. I've been in things where it's been a company that has been around. They've got a you know couple million in revenue, but then they decide that Kiwi Tech is going to be their partner because they're de- they're audit- they're developing an app that is is. Takes their business from this point to this point, if they, you know, integrated this app for their consumers or expanded into this whole other marketplace, or they saw an inefficiency in their industry and they needed to create a software solution. And I've talked to these entrepreneurs and I'm like, well, why did why did you pick Kiwi Tech? Why did you pick Kiwi Tech? And it all comes back to feeling that there, there was a, a shared risk in this, a shared gain in this and a true commitment to the, com- the company's success and in fact I had a client that I was working with I'm a shareholder in that I was um, I was like you're not ready for Kiwi Tech you're you know I thought that they would be the, who we would bring in once we kind of got to the next level of app with them and he found Kiwi tech on his own. And I was like, all right, whatever Kiwi Tech. If Kiwi Tech gives you that rubber stamp of approval to take on this first phase of this, then you know we'll roll, and and we have, and he they've been helping to get him ready to go to market. We've had some stops and starts with that. And then I have another company that I'm invested in. They found Kiwi Tech, and they called me and said, "Hey, I think I saw you on something with Kiwi Tech. What do you think of them?" And he's going through the approval process. You guys have amped up your rep- so the fact that you have 400 companies because I know from his perspective, it's a rigorous approval process to to get through and get through that approval he was um, participated in watching the, the um, webinar that I was on, you know, to get a better understanding. And I said, absolutely. You know, if, if they approve you that they, because he has really struggled to find the right development team to get his pr- solution to market. And I think that, that Kiwi tech is that group. So, you know, there's the mutual love thing on that. Um, so let's. But I wanted to,
1: I wanted to add one more thing here. See, a lot of these, Technology or founders, what they have code in Malaysia, Philippines, India, yeah. Eastern Europe. Kiwi Tech is one place where you have that code under one place, right? Secondly, once you come into the Kiwi Tech ecosystem, then what happens? You know, we had over we did over 100 events last year, right? So we had 43 demo days. So at each of these demo days, five to six companies pitch. You have anywhere from 30 to 50 to 100 investors who are attending these demo days, you get access to investors and professionals and people who are actually working in the field who can advise you on what you should build. Hey, maybe you can you want to build, build a UI UX experience, the tool litter differently. This is what exists in the market. So it eliminates a lot of, you know, duplicate. There might be a business model that might be different. You might want to build a B2B model, but there might be something that exists. You might you might be wind up building when you partner with us a B two C model, right? So that's that's a, that that's the whole whole thing, right? In order for you, when you're building a company as a founder, you're so driven and thinks that this exists. But when you come to Kiwi Tech and you start ending uh, attending all of these events, it's like you know you're getting education, you're getting a mentorship, and you're getting access to other resources that you might not have as a founder.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think their model has even expanded so much under COVID, right? Because it was, you know, the the old model of, and it'd be interesting to see what happens come 2022, because 2021 sort of, you know, who knows, right? But 2022, will they go back to the in-person piece because there's a, a benefit of being able to follow up with the investors that are in the room. And I can tell you this, particularly when I've been to events of theirs in Boston and New York, the people in the room were real investors. You know, they fill the room with real investors, but on these events, because they'll have panels of VCs and, and, uh, and, uh, family offices, the expansion of their ecosystem has really amplified in 2020, And doing these events, it seems like they've um, really escalated the content or the volume of events because you don't have to have that physical issue of scheduling somebody to fly in or drive in or that kind of stuff pay for, you know, do the lunch, the logistics of that. This is just getting to business with the companies in a certain industry or a certain sector, the investors that are in that sector, and then all the other people that participate and watch. And so I just think they've got a very efficient model and I really am a big fan. So um, so let's talk about the this idea, what, what you're bringing to the table for them in the the preparation of a company. So a company, it's not just about the tech, it's how do you deliver? How do you do market discovery? How do you then communicate what your market, your product or your solution is doing for the marketplace? That kind of comes into the digital marketing side of the things that you're looking at. And then how do you raise money, not just from the narrow gauntlet of an angel group, which is a, a core component of it, but some industries fit really well with crowdfunding and um crowdfunding you know there's a debate going on right now particularly as they expand this out does it make um investors the traditional angel model obsolete does it coexist with it does it you know where do, how does it fit in all your different levels i for one believe that it it coexists and it reduces the risk if you can effectively put, do a crowdfunding campaign in one of the four categories that I talked about, and even the fifth, which is reward-based. It's not equity, but if you can effectively integrate a strategy to crowdfund along with traditional capital that might come from, from friends and family, traditional angel investor groups or networks, and VCs, you have a really winning combination that... Gets innovation to market and does what compassionate capitalism is all about innovation to market, creating jobs and creating wealth for all those developed. So that's my platform. Please, Harjeet, share your perception on why you thought it was so critical to bring that element to the ecosystem of Kiwi Tech. And then we'll roll into really some of the stuff that we were talking about earlier about crowdfunding.
1: So, uh, as as we are looking into Karen, and you see this. A lot of things that are, that are in the news like people are not investing into women as much people are not investing into you know uh, minority entrepreneurs or colored entrepreneurs right um, so there are a lot of challenges but when you have a great product in the marketplace right it's easier to raise money where people are using your end clients right depending on where you want to be and what you're building Kivi tech has yeah. a fascinating platform of Getting startup companies helping build their tech. These, if you talk about job creation in general, where does it happen? Do you think Bank of America, Amazon's of the world, or J.P. Morgan, kid hire? Startup companies hire more people. If you right. empower small and medium enterprises, just look from an economic, you know, uh, uh, benefit. Right, the amount of uh, jobs. That the startup companies in uh, uh, create in the startup ecosystem, I don't think you can compare this into a larger landscape, right? If you empower those companies, right? Two, if you once we have 400 companies, but once they come in, they usually have an angel investors. They already have uh, investors right. on board. Not everybody is going to raise money through a venture capital model, and not every company exactly. is. Investable because they're looking for a hockey stick growth, right? Mm-hmm. They're looking for some kind of attraction. If you if you look at a company seed funds, they won't even talk to you if you don't, if you're not doing a million or two million dollars in revenue. Then a Series A would not be even to talk to you if you don't do three to five million dollars in revenue. Let's be honest in private equity model and what have you, right? So every that that, that is traditional capitalism. But sometimes a company has angel investors just to build that product. TV Tech companies like TV Tech or others. They'll help them build the technology, or some some founders will have their own tech teams. But now they have a product, or they have a tech, or they have a technology that they can sell. But they want to raise money, but they don't. They're not doing that type of revenue. But they have a fascinating idea. They have a fascinating invention. So, like you said, crowdfunding. Even if you look at how many companies successfully raised a million dollars. On the other hand, look. I'm sorry for going on the different routes. We don't have. Think about number of companies publicly traded in 2000 versus today, right? Yeah, so it's, it's a really double-edged sword. We are, it's, you have you have more investors from a private equity point, from angel investors, from VCs, others. So it's, you have to create more opportunity for companies to go public. So even NASDAQ and New York Stock Exchange, they see this, and major markets around the world see this problem. And the biggest problem is, US is US is behind like ten years in this game compared to the <laughs> global market. Right in 2019, the global crowdfunding was roughly, I believe, 18 or 19 billion dollars, and a few billion dollars more in 2020. US, the United States of America, the biggest capital uh, wealth creation society on the planet Earth, we were we did only half a billion dollars.
0: Right? <laughs> yeah. So look at
1: us. So I think what this does, crowdfunding enables these type of companies who have great ideas. They can't raise money traditionally, but they have great products. Is to raise money on a crowdfunding marketplace. Look at what happened to Agfunder, Republic, Startup Engines. These are success stories. Look how many companies are on those platforms. These are just to name a few. There's many of them. And there's an interesting platform by Maxim Group, which is a middle, you know, mid-sized boutique investment banking platform, they call, it's called M West, right? And oh, I was talking sure. to them about interest, right? They have created a nice uh, platform. So Kibitech has 400 different companies and we think a lot of our companies, if they don't go the traditional angel venture capital round, we do out of 400 plus companies, we do have like close to 30 to 40 great companies, but we also have companies which have great products, which I think they can succeed crowdfunding becomes a great way. Another double-edged sword is, Karen, as a society, as a race, there's a lot of prejudice, prejudice, discrimination, even on how much money you make. That allows you, if you're not an accredited investor, you don't make $250,000 for the past two years, and you're not going to make that next year. You can't invest into a lot of these opportunities. And if you're a couple, it's about $300,000. So why is the society limiting these? It's like, we are you know, putting so many regulations, weight on regulations is to keep these people down who might have decent education, who said, okay, we can't invest you a know, million dollars or $10 million, but hey, we can invest $500 into a company, right? When right. It, we can invest 20 bucks into a product, think about a lot of these companies that raise, you know, shaving blade type of company, that, that company that is selling a blade for a dollar, others, even if you're making a product like this, it's a great product, it's an AirPods, but Apple is not the only company to make it. There are a lot of other great technologies out there, right? So you're empowering these companies to raise money for people. Not everybody could have spent two hundred dollars. What if there's a product for thirty-nine dollars out there, right? there was there's a product for nineteen dollars out there? But that company is trying to get off uh, on the ground, and there's a lot of they have a lot of clients. Let's say a company that is selling, let's you know, for lack of better, better better words, they have like a Bluetooth device. It is AirPods, they're better than Apple, and they have like, you know, almost 700, 800 customers, right? And they love the product. For them, they said, okay, we want to raise half a million dollars. They send out an email out to all of their clients saying, hey, or customers, hey, we are raising money. Since you gave us a great feedback or you bought this product, tell us what you think. Would you like to invest, let's say, $500 into us? Yeah. look investing 50000 or half a million dollars or 5 million dollars is a lot of money but now you're talking to directly to your end user yeah
0: so you're but, taking
1: out all these brokers out of them you're talking you're you're saying with this half a million dollars or let's say you are raising half a million dollars you're taking you're talking directly to your clients to invest into a product that they really like right and right. Obviously, I think people who buy air parts, there is going to be an income gap, but versus people who are buying a product of 20 or $30 who really love your product. Yeah. We can take this conversation various ways, but I think crowdfunding going from a million now to $5 million, these companies, you're like semi or public, then go through a reggae market, right? Then being listing on NASDAQ or New York Stock Exchange, depending. So this is going to empower and create millionaires and I think the financial literacy, which lacks In this country, we don't get financial education till we're in Dame College when we take economics 101 or we take, you know, depending on finance and investment, depending on which university you go. These are the discussions people not using, used used to having at home in high school. Right. I am surprised that, you know, this is picking up my niece who's a junior in, in high school. We talk about finances all the time. And she, she told me, look, this, these programs are getting implemented. So this all comes from education perspective, then to making an investment. Even she said, okay, I got a $100 gift card, uncle. I really like this company. I am somebody like who's used to giving gifting like stocks to my nieces and nephews and my kids. So that becomes a great tool to empower the society, look Forget about it. I, I'm not going to buy you an airport, but look at this device. You like this company. What do you like? Do you want to buy shares in this company through a crowdfunding marketplace? So you're creating a great society or a community in this uh, place. But in crowdfunding, I'm very, very excited. Kivi Tech is very, very excited because we have we have the ecosystem and we're putting together great partnerships across, across, across industries. We are in every single industry except biotech, because I, I don't know what, what, what we could do from a software side in that <laughs> industry, but we are in every single industry and we are here to empower entrepreneurs across the globe. Crowdfunding by 2025, I hope, and I'm looking at a lot of projections, but in the US, I think we'll be close to a $5 billion uh, market, which is, look at, it, we are at half a billion. If we can grow 10 times in the next four to five years, that's a pretty exciting time. Yeah. It's going to become an yeah. industry on its own. And most investment banking firms and, and uh, ag funders, we funders, there's so many of them that are there. I think they will, they will definitely raise the profile of these companies.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, and, and just I should probably a caveat on this is that two things. First, absolutely, customers have always been the best source of way to grow your business uh, with revenue. But now, because of these different ways to crowdfund, you can reach out to them. And I have that conversation with entrepreneurs all the time, is you reaching out to them to let them become shareholders in your company. But you must have the legal documents and the structure to be able to do that. You can't just take money from people based off of an email. That will come back and bite you in the you know what, because you have to have it is a regular regulated Industry, there are rules and regulations on how you solicit and general solicit, and you need to be structured for that to be able to do that properly. Otherwise, you'll get a little you'll get in trouble. Just like you know, used to be the way was just who you knew, and angel investors would give you an entree into who you knew. You had to have a private placement memoranda, unless the angel group gave you a term sheet. Though You don't use those really within the crowdfunding model, but you still have to have a structure to be able to do that. You still have to have an offering document. You still have to be able to receive the capital. In some cases, like on the 506C, you have to be able to have an escrow agent to take the money and transfer that in the reggae plus. You just have to have um, a transfer agent, just like a public company does, to take your money and then report back to investors. So there are some rules. So make sure you 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 get the proper advice on that. And then on the investor side of that, don't plan on just doing one. This is one of the, the whole reason why I wrote the book. I had dusted off my ebook that I had done to build my angel group. But for those that are watching, I'm pointing to my book, "Inside Secrets to Angel Investing." To those that are looking, listening, "Inside Secrets to Angel Investing." I believed at the time that the jobs that came out in the U.S. that the greatest barrier to entrepreneurship and innovation getting to the market was how hard it was to raise capital, and that you had to be in a town that had an active angel group. Group and like your industry and whatever, check all the different boxes. And this whole idea that Hajid has brought up is the idea of um, the bias that some investors have. And the majority of angel investors at that time and still today were white male. And so if they had a bias on uh, the color of your skin or this your sex, then they would, or how you dressed, then it might, they might, you know, it might, inform their decision. Okay. And so that has the statistics and the data has shown that when it comes to crowdfunding, women and people of color are, are, are much more successful in raising capital in a crowdfunding model than they are in the traditional model. And so, and part is that they get the opportunity to tell their story. But I had this huge thing that crowdfunding would get a bad, because investing in entrepreneurs is already something that has, um, a filter on it that it's too risky or it's too this or that, it's too, you know, all these kind of things. And I believe it's not any more risky than real estate or the traditional stock market if you approach it the right way. But I was concerned that a lot of people would invest on a video. They wouldn't do this. They were unsophisticated. They just would be emotional. They'd invest one or two times. And you have to have the same discipline. And although I don't do a lot on crowdfunding in the book, it's really about overall investing and figuring out how much you can invest and want industries to invest and the tools to do that, you still need to go through the same process. You still need to figure out your budget. You still need to make a commitment to invest X amount of dollars a year or a quarter over a period of time to get a diverse portfolio of companies. And you still need to do some due diligence and research it on this. If you decide you love the idea of of using the iPod thing. You really do think they need to come out with a new type of headset, stuff like that. Well, chances are on all the different crowdfunding platforms, there might be a half a dozen ones that could compete against the earbuds. So go figure out which ones are the best ones and then you put your money in that. So once you find a product that you want to find a solution for a problem that you're experiencing or something you learn about in an industry or something like that, Go ahead and look and see who all is doing that in the crowdfunding, and then decide is my minimum investment, or two hundred, or my maximum a thousand. And I've got I can put a thousand in a quarter. Then do your research and take it on as a, as a hobby that has significant financial benefits and get started. And one of the things I'll say this before we move on, one of the things that made me aware of that two th- two things happened when I was WeWork had hired me to come and and do a workshop. Uh, and I was doing comparison of angel investing to um, uh, ICOs or digital coins, Bitcoin kind of stuff and real estate and stock market for wealth creation. And um, and in my audience, I was really surprised it were it, there were millennials. They were making under two hundred thousand dollars a year. And they came to learn how to invest in crowdfunding companies. That was why they were there. So there's a whole generation of sophisticated, potential sophisticated investors that grew up in reward based crowdfunding. They bought, these fidget widgets when they were just a reward base before they ever did equity. They millions of dollars went into fidget widgets before they ever got their first equity funding from a venture capital kind of a thing. Right. And so they understood the power of crowdfunding to bring products to market. And they wanted a piece of that action. And then Jason Kakanis, who is well-known because of his podcasts and tech crunch and all this stuff. And he wrote a, a book that came out the same time um, I called the wings of an angel. The same time my book came out, they're sold together on Amazon a lot. He was uh, interviewing the founder of seed invest, which is one of the early companies to come into the marketplace. And I think the founder is, is Indian descent. And he, and he was in, he was inv- um, interviewing him. And he said that, he and he's also really part of his famous is, is that he was an early investor in Uber. He saw the vision of Uber early on. But he said if he started his first company when he was like 22, and he said, if I could do over what knowing what I know now in my older, smarter self, I would go back to when I was 22 and I would say, go get a corporate gig. Don't get, don't start. I wouldn't have started my first company and struggled with all that stuff. I would have got a corporate gig paying me lots of money with benefits. And instead of investing in the 401k, I would have invested $500 a month into a crowdfunding company. So at the end of five years, when I would normally have been vested and been able to receive all of the benefits of the matching money on, on investing in the company's 401k, I would have invested in 60 companies about $30,000 over that period of time, and if you just do the normal math of what all the angel investors and VCs say that what happens in ten with 10 companies, yes, some of them would have failed, but out of that, I would have had five companies that would have hit it out of the park and made me about $300,000 out of my $30,000 or more in that period of time, which is a lot more than I would have invested in my 401k or the value of my 401k for a $30,000 investment. I might have 40000 or 50000 not 300000 I was like, oh my God, that is so right. That's why this is the great economic democratization of the capital markets, because all of the everyday Tom, Dick, and Harry's and Jane's have the ability to make wealth on entrepreneurs the same way that most wealthy people have done it for generations and for decades, since the 1920s when they, they started, 1933, when angel investing was kind of first invented. So that was a mouthful. But I got my passion out there and, you know, talk about what you have seen because you're like, just give us an example of what you see in the change that is happening in India as a result of entrepreneurism, access to capital through this, financial literacy, and then we'll apply it to what you see going on as you travel around and be involved in Kiwi Tech's great model to bring all of this opportunity of crowdfunding to the 400 companies they have in their portfolio.
1: So, so lot of, the, lot of, so great information, Karen. First of all, your book is great. I think anybody who's looking to invest into early stage companies, uh, or looking to invest in general, don't just throw your mind because your friend is thinking about this. You have to read content. You have to read. You know, why are you investing? Why are you investing into a company? Why do you want? What is that goal? Is it to become a billionaire? You know, is it become a multimillionaire? Where do you want to, is it to create passive income? What is the goal of investing? And I couldn't agree, uh, the founder of uh, you know Seed Invest is Ryan felt and James Hahn, who's an Asian American. So coming from there, I, I couldn't have agreed with them more. So if you look at KV Tech, why do people see, we have raised about $30 million up to date, right? We Even during the pandemic, we, people invested in KV Tech, why? because we give them access to these companies. We give exactly. them access. Some of them invest in us, then they want to invest into those opportunities which are on portfolio because they see us. We had six exits so far, right? And we have companies which are tracking when we started working with them at eight and a half million dollar valuation. Now they're on their way to over a quarter of a billion dollar valuation, right? And some are blow, some are high, but that's, our, that's the power of, of an ecosystem. When you create, what exactly do you want to create is, is you know, our founders, Rakesh and Neil and Nita, who were son of an immigrant who came to yeah. America in 1949. Rakesh is the only one who ever held a corporate job in Oracle. His two siblings, they actually worked for Kivitek and the fourth co-founder and They had a, they built a BPO content company in their previous life. Then they see, okay, we want to invest in startups. So coming back to your example, they tried to, they looked at many options. They're like, okay, this is this is we. If we just invest, we are part of the problem. We want to create an ecosystem so we can empower people to invest into an ecosystem. That is the history of Kivi Tech. You know the founders have a great exit in their previous company. So this is that was the formation of Kivi Tech. What you just said is to empower other people to hey, don't just invest in one company. If you, if you one, two, three, four, five might fail, but if you invest in ten great uh, companies maybe, and, and align yourself with other angel investor, other like-minded people, industry, uh, Pacific, if you're into health tech, fintech, or cryptocurrency, what have you, but then you drive your thought is exactly where do you want to invest, and that's how you create wealth. You have to allow yourself to be part of that innovation where a lot of like-minded and not so like-minded people there are there or talking about disruptive ideas, right? and, and that's how cryptocurrency was born, that's how I'm sure the founders saw a lot of naysayers, even Kiwi Tech. And I am just, you know, I joined the company a couple of years ago, and this is probably the most exciting time in Kiwi Tech's history as we are growing. But if you want to invest, I like your advice look, you know, look at look at companies like Seed Invest, look at Republic, WeFunder, look at those companies with great products, why people are buying? If you are buying something, look at who's making that product. Where is it coming from? Why are you using that platform? That's how investing should, that's how you should invest, right? Rather than you're telling your friend who your buddy invested into some company, okay, I'm going to throw a few thousand dollars or 15, 20, 25, $50,000. And you don't know anything about that business line, right? Right. Invest into and looking into deep why people are buying that product. Um, But, you know, great hidden secrets in Karen's book, uh, Inside Secrets. Uh, I encourage you to buy it. And this is, you know, I I read a lot of content. We, uh, part of, I'm on the board of Thai, Thai New York. Thai is one of the largest uh, ecosystem of investing into startups. It started in 1990. They have over 3,000 angel investors on its platform. In New York, you know, we have, we started with a few investments from 2015, 16, we just invested close to $300,000 into one of the startups, and we're gonna continue to do this uh, over a period of time. Um, but I like I like your advice, Karen, on, on why, how to invest into startups, why should you invest, and an idea of wealth creation
0: overall. Yeah, well, and then one of the things I always say is, you know, I think some, the new midlife crisis isn't to go out and buy that fancy red sports car. It is to leave a good job that you're bored with and go start a company because you think it's going to be more exciting to start a company. Well, yes, it will be exciting to start a company, but it's a whole lot harder than you think it is based on your cushy exec job. And so you (laughs) you have to do is I believe that a better thing to do is to say, take that instead of, You know, and we'll get to a whole other conversation about that. And, but unless you have a really, really, really breakthrough thing, or you just, you know, like to work more hours for less money for a while until you, you know, get there, take your extra capital, figure out how to carve it out and go get your passion from the passion of the company, the compassion, and become a capitalist by investing in those companies. The other definition of compassionate capitalism. So, one of the things I want your perspective, Harjeet, on, because you come from an, an investment banking, a Wall Street banker, and there had there has always been sort of this, this, you know, I don't want to really, I don't know the exact term, but there's a. Um, a hierarchy of perception that investor bankers and wall street is where all the money's at. They even a lot of times don't, you know, it's, it's like a hierarchy VCs think angel investors are lesser than the VCs. Angel investors thinks friends and family and wall street thinks we're all the cats meow. Right. So, Going from that, and and I mentioned at the very beginning at the top of of the podcast, this resistance that a lot of traditional angels have against companies that might bring in a block of crowdfunding. And that's one thing, when when you raise money under reg CF and this stuff, usually it's done in a block, so they have one voting power. It's not a lot of individual people that have invested 500. It comes in as a block, just like an angel group might come in as a block. Um, talk about what you see within from your Wall Street background. And is there a changing tide of um, how the perception of, of the value of crowdfunding and the company that might come in through um, the back door of coming in through uh, a reggae plus versus a traditional going public model that is, you know, very complicated, a very the whole value proposition is much different, you know, it's, talk a little bit from your perspective on what you see happening in the marketplace and the, and the shifts in attitudes and actual access.
1: But you, you see a lot of the business model, even in Wall Street is changing, right? I'm sorry about the noise. I'm in India, so cars are passing by. I'm sitting close to the door. You're okay. Uh, but in, in terms of uh, where we are, so you see Wall Street business model, they have to shift, right? The margins on, 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 on typical trading in bonds and equities, have shrunk tremendously. Second, on the investment banking side of business, the fees on M&A versus companies going public. How many companies you saw last year and up until date direct listing, right? Because they don't want to pay the middleman, they don't want to pay Wall Street firms all of this capital. Crowdfunding allows them to do this, right? From a due diligence perspective. After reggae raising $75 million, this company is gonna probably raise a quarter billion dollars depending on uh, how this company, then they're gonna raise a billion dollars and more, right? So this will allow more companies to list. one of the, one of the, comp- one of the uh, topics that we started out in the beginning is lift that number of companies listed on an exchange in 99, 2000 versus today. So I think from, from the securities industry this is the way for more companies to get listed, create more options, right? The bigger companies are getting bigger and bigger. And I think this will allow more companies to get funded as well. So crowdfunding, putting on my Wall Street hat is actually good for investment banking, is good for Wall Street because there's more companies looking to raise capital. And I think great companies who are able to survive the reg A plus and beyond will be able to raise a lot more money and become successful companies. Yeah. Uh, I hope that answers your question. I think this is definitely a a win-win situation for Wall Street.
0: Yeah. Well, and I also think one of the things that you have a challenge with when it comes to some of the companies that are unicorns, everybody talks about unicorns, right? Well, the reality is that unicorns usually become unicorns because of so much money that's been put into them, not necessarily because of the revenue that they're generating, and, you know, it's just it, they've, there's been a lot of valuation increase. So they're valued at a billion dollars, but they're not doing a billion dollars in revenue. They're not, you know, they're far away from doing that. You know, one of the uh, Snapchat is probably one of the classic, you know, like, what up with that? You know what I mean? They didn't know what their revenue model was when they had a billion dollar value and they went public, right? And so the investors that jump onto it after the fact. They struggled because the not, the market was the the value was overinflated and immediately took a nosedive, and so. You know, a, that happens a lot with those kind of companies where when a company gets there and that's when companies get there, they get angel investing and then VCs come in and then bigger VCs and they're growing in this tech model, trying to get to that hockey stick of revenue and potential and then, you know, the push to exit and that's, you know, drives them to go public. So they're, in, they're the people that made money on it were those investors that drove that valuation and then they get to exit out at that higher You know, I bought it at 25 cents and it goes public at $25 and look at my big return on investment. Well, the difference, I think, when it comes to crowdfunding should be much more what an investment banker, because they've had to earn their stripes, so to speak, because the only way you are able to raise crowdfunding money is that you make a lot of people aware of of your company so that they want to buy your product and at the same time you're attracting investors into your company so you have this this growth this natural growth of earned revenue because you have a superior product and and you figured out how to communicate the awareness of that a lot of these sometimes these companies that that you know get the VC, nobody ever really hears of them because they've not done anything to grow their brand in the marketplace or to grow the trust factor. Because you have to believe, to be successful at raising crowdfunding, you have to build a trust with an investor, just like a regular stock market would, that you are doing things right, legitimately. You've got the data that shows what your business model is. You've been vetted and validated in the marketplace. You know, and you've got a trust factor that you do with your investor that surpasses surpass because you're not going to sit across the table and be able to convince that investor to invest in you like you can in a traditional angel investor and VC model. You have to earn the trust of those investors that are never going to see you. They're never going to, other than maybe in a video or something like that. They're never going to actually reach out and touch you. It's much more like a stock market. So you've got to have the homework that you've done to be successful in that, uh, you know. And I think it it builds it it has the propensity to build a stronger, more sustainable company because their reach is much more broader when they raise that capital. So when they go public, they have a lot more investors that are there, not just because of a hype, but because they earned the the, the worth of those investors investing in them as customers and then became investors that then those other ones that just become investors see that, that metrics of customers and investors that get there and that company that traditional investor that might have invested in a stock market based off of industry analysis and stuff like that can feel more comfortable investing in a crowdfunded company that has all the metrics of a public company, but they're just not public yet. And so you've got that uptight potential. So I think that it's, when we look back in the five years that you were talking about, and we're doing $5 billion in all the different levels of crowdfunding, that it's going to be much stronger companies in the marketplace as a result of having raised money that way. And if they should become a public company at that time, they're much more sustainable to the benefit of the public stockholders that will grow. They're not going to have this feast and famine because there's a lot less hype in a crowdfunded company.
1: Do you agree? So, so I, I I think look I'll give you two examples. Look at WhatsApp. WhatsApp was bought at nineteen billion dollars with zero revenue. Right? Because Facebook saw that as a biggest threat to their revenue model.
0: Yeah, they needed it Second for competitive company, to get to competitive because they were getting their their lunch was getting eaten on other things.
1: Their messenger was yeah, absolutely. Second is a company that we're currently dealing with is Clubhouse. Yeah. Which is a competitor of Twitter. Which yeah. Is So they might get bought by billions of dollars. And and I think, you know, coming from your point of view, yeah, these companies haven't defined, it's all about they're using data to build this model. Coming back to crowdfunding, these investors, these customers turned investors are biggest, they are brand investors. For example, look at a company that might have, you know, 10,000 clients, but let's say 3,000 investors have Three thousand of those customers turned entrepreneurs invested ten dollars in that company, right? At, at, a, at a you know simple case, it could be five hundred, but let's just use ten dollars as an example. What happens? These are three thousand of your brand ambassadors. Yeah. Right. Who's going to talk about all of these clients? As these companies scale, not only are they are making money, their valuation is growing. Guess what happens? Have you ever? and I don't know if earlier when you, you know, from your background, if you met, you know, stockbrokers or bankers or angel investors when they talk about, hey, I made this great bet in this company. Yeah. I invested through crowdfunding, ten dollars. He's able to talk about this in in larger, you know, larger crowds and pound in his chest, what a great investment, right? So I think with these these type of concept from crowdfunding going forward, they'll have lots more brand ambassadors and yeah. which will only build brand equity and, yeah. and sustainable business models yeah uh, you know those are my thoughts and i only think is coming back to traditional venture capital models not every company is going to be backed by venture capital private equity or family offices everybody i think crowdfunding is one of those things when, where you're open to if, you, if you're having if you think and if you can raise money at a higher valuation compared to what the angel investors or the vcs or the private equity uh, will value at the end of the day. Yeah. So this yeah. is a, it's a win-win situation. Situation for people who never had access to that company, and two for those entrepreneurs who wasn't who weren't valued the right way.
0: Right. Right. Well, it, it made me think of when you talk about uh, brand ambassadors. One of the early successes of of uh, Reggae Plus in the United States was BrewDog. Have I mean, you probably have heard of them? So. BrewDog was a British brewer, beer brewery that had raised their money in, in England through crowdfunding, like a Reg CF type of a, a or a, well, it wasn't Reg CF, they don't have that, you know, they have different types of crowdfunding. But anyway, they had raised their money to launch their brewery, to do all this stuff, All and never really spent any money in, in marketing other than promoting their offering, But because Instagram, anybody that had a beer would be like, I'm here at the at the brew house and they posted and it was like all this. So they had all these people that had little little amount of shares, got free beer, I guess, as part of the that value proposition, but always sharing it. So when it first came out in the United States for Reggae Plus, they wanted to come to the United States and see and test the waters to see if it would work as well here. So I think they set their offices up or their location up outside of um uh Plank Plank Road and where a lot of the breweries are and stuff like that. And they did a national model, and they originally had a plan to set up like the little micro locations all over the country, and they didn't raise quite as much as what they had intended in the time frame, but they raised $35 million and they um were able to uh, launch this and launch their brewery successfully without debt and, you know, send a case a month to their thing, very much similar to to England. And then they went out and uh, did a second raise to set up like five locations in Texas and California and stuff like that. And so they have successfully used that as a model to gain this. And they don't have a big advertising budget because they have so many brand ambassadors that are constantly social media media sharing their, that they're a shareholder and that they have this stock and all that kind of stuff. And it's just, you know, it's one of those things that I think um, when that company decides to go public, they're going to have a huge opportunity to do that because there's just so many people that are aware of it and waiting for the next time that they raise capital so they can get in and get their small piece of it like that. So um, I know we're uh, about rounding our, our time frame that we have here. And I want to bring up, kind of shift the conversation just a little bit, if that's all right. Because one of the things that I really love about Kiwi Tech and the model that you've done, and it has become something, and I don't know if it's just a Southeast issue or East Coast issue, but so many angel groups want companies to have a working product and with some number of customers before they'll even entertain them to raise them, to, to, to invest in them. It's really the gauntlet to get through that initial criteria is actually really struggling for companies that Maybe they got a, a basic MVP, but it's not a full scalable model. You know, maybe they did some customer discovery, but they don't actually have customers and revenues. But KiwiTech embraces these entrepreneurs before that, when they're really trying to get the product to market, to get those customers, and says, we're going to share that risk and help you with that why do you think kiwi tech is so much more successful even though it's risky that way to embrace those earlier stage companies that really truly at a seed stage versus a lot of these angel investor models that that want to you know put the burden of all of that on this entrepreneur that has very limited resources you know before that they'll entertain even looking at a deal so so our experience
1: is look we are not looking at you know, 16, 17, 18 on perhaps Mark Zuckerberg's of the world, right? What we invest in is in, in teams, people, strategy, background. Mark Zuckerberg, what he has done, but you also understand how many students in college. We only talk about success rate, but we don't failures, right? So that's you have to understand and, and see where you're going. We invest in people, we invest in people who want to grow. And have a, who knows how to pivot? 90% of an entrepreneur's life investing, they're not going to get the first client they go after. They're not going to execute in the first strategies. You have to, we, usually we get like, there's a company in our called Hungary, which is disrupting a $21 billion uh, corporate catering place. We invested in that company, or we got involved in that company at $8.5 million valuation. This company raised Series A before the pandemic. Their revenue hit zero, then it excelled. Right? They're in the market race series B. They're doing so, so much better. And he's a four-time, you know, I believe he's a four-time entrepreneur, Jeff Craft. That's something that excites us, right? That sure. they have figured this out, they know what to do. And those are the entrepreneurs who work with us, teams who have worked with us at workplaces, and they're able to sell us on those types of vision, right? Meaning this is what they're trying to build. That's why TV Tech is able to embrace that risk. Sometimes and, you know, executive spends 10, 15, 20 years in, in the workplace, then he wants to build a company, sometimes they, want, sometimes they want to spend five, six, seven years before they want to launch something. Our job, if we believe in that idea, right, is obviously we do our own due diligence, which is like an angel type like uh, due diligence, and we see where this company might go, and we want to empower entrepreneurs. We, want, we don't want to be a roadblock in these entrepreneurs we want to give them wings so they can fly right so that's i talk about empowerment over and over um i I think a lot of i over over 20 or 25 percent of our portfolio is out of women more than 25 percent are women and minority-based founders so this is we are making a difference in this marketplace already and i think the best is yet to come because now you know we know a lot of these angel investors across the country. That's how we came across you. They're sh- sharing their deal flow with us and helping us. Hey, why don't you work with this company? This is a great idea for you. What do you think about this? Now they're involved with our ecosystem. And I hope you know the blessings keep on coming and KiwiTech keeps on growing because this is definitely an exciting time for KiwiTech.
0: Yes, absolutely. And so for those folks listening, kiwitech.com, right? It's just a straight up name. dot com is how you go find all about that. And you look there, you can see the events. They've got how to apply. They've got all kinds of, um, it's great. And, and I think all of the prior webinars and things are available on the website as well, right?
1: Absolutely. We do about 100 events a year. You can look at all of these things Angel, why do we do angel panels? Because this is where angels from Harvard to beyond to Baylor, the top tiers, they come and tell them what they're investing in, who their top, it's a direct contact. You come to us, we'll put you in touch with a lot of these angel groups. Our job, we do not, we are not a banking firm. We not talk, take cut off any investment money you raise from our, our platform. Our only job is to create the largest startup ecosystem to empower you so you can build a great company.
0: Yes. Okay. I thank you so much for taking time, getting to a place in India that you could participate in this. I'm, I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to to meeting you in your journeys through back into America and uh, meeting you face to face, you know, uh, breaking some bread together. And uh, any final comments you'd like to share before we wrap?
1: If you have a dream, build it don't hold back. this is probably the best time in history to become an entrepreneur and if capital is stopping you from building a company that means you're not trying hard enough. Please if you have an idea, think about it, meet people this this world is worth making a better place but it also needs your contribution so please don't have don't don't stay back don't stay on the sidelines come and participate and help us build a better planet together. Thank you. Ah,
0: With that, onwards and upwards. Thank you so much, Harjit.
1: Thank you, Karen. Have a good one.
0: Thank you for listening to the Compassionate Capitalist Podcast Radio, where we encourage individual investment in entrepreneurs to create generational wealth and best practices for small businesses to succeed. Help us spread the word about Compassionate Capitalism by sharing this podcast with your friends and colleagues. The Compassionate Capitalist Podcast is available on most podcast platforms, including iTunes, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and many more. In production for over 10 years, there are over 180 episodes available for your listening and educational pleasure. With over 130,000 downloads, this podcast is rapidly becoming the top podcast for investors and entrepreneurs to get the information they need to create generational wealth through entrepreneurism. This podcast is brought to you by the business power tools, which offers an online collaborative environment for leadership teams to prepare business plans, marketing strategies, financial modeling needed to attract capital and scale a business. Also Lindio as a, Entrepreneurs Resource Portal, providing access to dozens of lenders offering short-term and long-term debt to help business owners manage their financial cash flow and growth capital needs. BizX, creating affordable advertising resources and other tools for entrepreneurs to succeed and create awareness and trust with their customer base. And Launch Funding Network, part of QGRAN Capital Holdings. It's a network of hundreds of angel investors, investor clubs and networks, venture capital firms, private equity funds, family offices, investment bankers, and lenders. Please visit karenrans.co to learn more about the Launch Funding Network and our sponsors, and to sign up to get our Compassionate Capitalist Coffee Break and learn more about how we can help you succeed.